Does everything have a bright side to it? Of course. It doesn't always outweigh the negatives, but everything has a bright side to it. This makes happiness a choice. And here we say that the discipline of being happy is the ultimate discipline. With that said, welcome to the Ultimate Discipline Podcast, where we meet with people who are practitioners of this exact discipline, and we hear their cool stories of cultivating happiness through challenges in their life. I am your host, Sean Greenspan. Let's get to it. Dave, thank you for joining me today. A pleasure, man. Good to be here. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you uh, you hopping on. And for those that don't know, Dave is the owner of Drink O2, um, a drink that I actually, I'll tell you, the first Drink O2 I had was at Kelly Stratt's house on Halloween. Nice. When, uh, I was training for my hundred. People were drinking booze and uh, he put that out for the kids and I had one and, you know, we started talking about it yeah. and I knew about you guys at the time and I've actually been drinking it quite a bit um, for recoveries after like for recovery after lifting and i got a couple um i got a couple after my hundred (laughs) i saw that's the lifesaver hell yeah man hell yeah well yeah um do you do you want to take a second and give everyone a little introduction just about yourself and maybe drink o2 as well yeah o2 is basically a clean healthy sports drink um we're the official uh hydration uh, brand of CrossFit and Spartan Race, so we we work a lot in the high intensity fitness and the endurance community. Um, and our all of our products are super low sugar, one gram of sugar, twice the electrolytes as Gatorade. And the universal consensus is that they taste awesome, um, <laughs> which I agree with. But but I'm the founder. Um, but but people drink O2 tend to drink a lot of it, and you know I've I've heard plenty of stories of, you know, I finished a, a marathon and O2 saved my life or, you know, I was, I was cramping up midway through, you know, an Ironman and I had an O2 and it just brought me back. That, that never gets old. That always feels good. You know, it always feels good. People are drinking these during the race or the workout. It, de- it depends on the individual and it depends on the workout, you know, um, like myself, I, I do CrossFit as, as my primary source of exercise. And then I supplement that with hot yoga. Um, and in CrossFit, you know, if you're doing a 10 minute wide, you're, you're probably not going to stop, grab an O2, drink it, you know, get back to work because there's not enough time. Um, but you know, when I, when I do yoga, for example, you know, I'll, I'll generally have some O2 in my water bottle. Um, so it just depends on what I'm doing, but, but usually I, I try to limit myself to like two a day. Sometimes that, sometimes that, <laughs> that ceiling gets, gets expanded, depend on, depending on the day. <laughs> hey, it sounds like, it sounds like a good thing to, uh, indulge on if you're going to indulge on anything. <laughs> I, I try not to get high on my own supply too much, but it's hard sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, let me, let me ask, and you know, I, I know a little bit of this backstory, but what makes, what makes O2 different? Like, you know, what's, what's cool about it? There a couple things and I'll, I'll go into the backstory at some point probably, but you know, we, when we were making O2, we spent a lot of time and energy on the formulation. Like I, I was, I was at a very comfortable, you know, place in my career. I was at a, uh, insurance company in strategy, um, you know, in my mid twenties making six figures and I wasn't going to leave that, that job and that career for, you know, for just anything. And so I partnered up with a friend of mine who's a physician and the intention was to create a healthier, you know, healthier sports drink. Cause all the other stuff that, that we were sucking down just sucked. 
Um, and so we set out to, you know, to make like the drink that we wish existed. Um, and it was hard because, you know, we knew we didn't want anything with a lot of sugar. We wanted it to be, you know, under, under two grams of sugar tops. We wanted it to be under 20 calories tops. We wanted it to have, you know, a bunch of electrolytes. So we wanted it to be very functional. And we based the, the formulation for O2 off of an IV bag, actually. And then midway through the development process, the physician came across some research that indicated the accelerating effects of ingested oxygen on the body's uh, recovery time. And so we're like, huh, that's super interesting. Nobody else is doing that. And this research has been done over and over and over again. It's all clinical, peer-reviewed studies you know, on, on people and animals that show the same thing about oxygen accelerating the body's recovery time. Um, but nobody was doing it. And so we're like, let's do that, you know, and th that probably added three years to the development process. <laughs> there's, there's a reason nobody's doing it. It's because it's really hard to do. Um, but I think the things to answer your question that make unique, one, we're the only oxygenated product of our kind. Um, and, and two, we're a sports drink in a can and three, you know, it's a drink that tastes awesome and, and works really, really well. I think that's kind of the basis of, of what makes us unique. Um, and, and something that we're really proud of is, is also we're one of very few carbon neutral uh, drink companies. Um, so we're, we're entirely sustainable. You know, we don't we don't do plastic for a reason. Um, so we run a good company, too. Dude, that that's that's really, you know, admirable. And like, I, I, I appreciate that as someone who spends most of their time in the mountains in the wilderness. Yeah. That means, you know, a lot to me. Um, so clearly, I think the big thing here is that you have ox you're you're helping people ingest oxygen um, to increase recovery. Um, what's that? What's that process like? How do you put oxygen in a drink? <laughs> in theory, it's not that hard. In theory, you know, it's very similar to how you put, you know, how you have you how you carbonate a product, right? Like it's just a different gas. You know, it's the same sort of idea, same mechanics. Um, in practice. You know, we've worked really hard over the years to make it as simple as possible because there's a big difference, you know, between theory and practice, especially when you're at a scale of producing, you know, millions of cans. Right. So um, fundamentally, it's a it's a very similar process to carbonation. It's it's something that we you know, we've developed a, a fairly proprietary way, but it's no different than injecting, you know, any other gas into a liquid. You know, you basically take the gas, take the liquid, put it together and put, seal it in a can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, uh, no, that, that's, it's unique. And, um, what, what was the, what was the drive in the beginning to create a drink? Was it like, what, was it just, you were kind of frustrated with what's on the market or Pr pretty much. I mean, it was, it, it was definitely personal necessity. Um, when I was at the day job that I referenced earlier, I, about three years into that, that was my first job. So about three years out of school, out of college, um, I started uh, moonlighting basically to open a private nonprofit charter high school in Columbus where I was working at the time called Cristo Rey. And so I kept my day job and my day job was pretty demanding. It was, you know, it was uh, basically an internal consultancy at a Fortune 100 um, company. And so I was working long hours during the day and in the evenings, you know, I and, and uh, my partner in crime for this endeavor, we were we were spinning up a school from scratch. And that's there's a lot of work that goes into that. So I was working pretty long hours in the evening. 
Um, and and this this all unfolded over about a two and a half year process. And the school got up and running. We made the school. It's still working. It's still operating today, which I'm really proud of. And it's graduating 99% of students from high school. And and this is serving a low income area where these kids are coming from places that that generally graduate between 30 and 40% um, graduation rates. So so it's great, really remarkable school. Um, but once that project wrapped up, I was like, man, that was really gratifying because I, I built something, you know. And it wasn't just a PowerPoint. It was like a thing that people people use and go to every day. It's just it's a it's a thing. Um, so I wanted to do more of that. And I'm like, man, what could I what could I do next? You know, I don't really want to I don't really want to work at an insurance company the rest of my life. Um, so what 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 doesn't exist that I wish existed? And I'm like, well, I've been drinking a lot of Gatorade and Red Bull lately as I work these 20 hour days, you know, and even though I'm in my mid 20s, I can tell that's not great for me. It's not sustainable. Yeah. You know, nice if a better option existed. Um, and so I had I had met a guy who became a really close friend really quickly through the school project. And that that, that guy was was the, the medical doctor that I mentioned earlier. Uh-huh. And so, so he became my doctor buddy. And, you know, we were around the same age, living a similar lifestyle. And so there's a lot that we could relate to. And uh, and so one day I asked him, I'm like, dude, you're a medical doctor. Like, you're a smart guy. You know, you care about your body. And we live similar lifestyles. Surely you're not drinking this sugary bullshit that I'm drinking. And he's like, mm, actually, I am because there's nothing better. Like, I don't really like the taste of coconut water and you know, water gets boring in and of itself. So, you know, sports drinks, that's what I do because there's nothing better, even though I know better. And so we're like, oh, man, well, if you do this and I do this, then chances are there's a, a broader need for a healthier option. Let's just make a drink. How hard can that be? <laughs> those were our famous last words. How hard can that be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, that's awesome. Um, that's just like uh, I, I want to. I, I want to unpack a couple things. I mean, so first, ma- um, making something, and that's not just a PowerPoint, right? Right. I think that I think that um, in and of itself is is a really unique. I, I wouldn't say it's just a really interesting topic because a lot of people um, aren't, I think they're focusing on how their work impacts themselves, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, like totally. Versus like, what, what does this leave on this world? Right. And, 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 you know, the, the first thing that I feel like I've done that was, that was really, really dialed into what I'm doing was um, when I got to see like, so, so I work with brands, personal brands and brand and, you know, brands yep. in the wellness space to help them expand their impact, right. On the world, mainly through social media. And once we start putting some events together and some retreats together, and like, I met people that like are using the products, following the people. And it's like, you know, following people, not just like, oh, like I'm sitting here scrolling on your social media, like, you know, this person inspired me to run and I've ran three marathons. That's like, you know awesome. what I mean? Like really like impact. Um, that was like the first like little taste. But when I ran my first retreat, man, and I got that like in person, I, I run retreats with a lot of people in the fitness space and, um, you know, like getting that, that like in person, like energy yeah. was just, was just oh, it, awesome. It's, it's like a drug, man. You know, once you do it, you can't stop. It's crazy. It's just irreplaceable. It's an amazing feeling. Yeah, for for sure. So I mean, it's cool. It's cool. Like 
I, I call it living by design. It's cool the way you kind of, you know, took that approach. And um, I, I guess what was that like? What was the what was the decision there? Was it? I guess the decision was, you know, am I going to lock in and do this while I have this job, right? Like while I have a six figure job, am I going to double down and have the discipline to work the nights and weekends? Is that really what yeah, it was? That was that was it was an easy decision, um, and it's a decision that I would make much differently today now yeah. that I've been doing this for a while. And I know a lot of different things that I didn't know then. But yeah. then it was like, yeah, you know, I'm in, I'm in my mid twenties. I, you know, I was single. I, I didn't have any kids. Um, I had a dog as my only mouth to feed, you know, um, I had some nice savings built up. So I'm like, there's no time better than now. If I want to do something on my own, cause I can, I, I can afford to fail, you know? Um, and I remember thinking, well, if, you know, if this doesn't work out, I'll just go to business school or something. Yeah. You know? Um, and, uh, and so I didn't, I, I didn't run, even though I worked with a bunch of consultants, it's not like I ran a big kind of consulting like project to figure out where should I go? What should I do? What market is growing at what, you know, rates and what's really, you know, strategically the best white space to go into. I probably would do that now, but I didn't do that then. I just kind of followed my gut. Um, and thankfully I wound up in a, in a market that's growing quite a bit and there is white space, et cetera, but it wasn't as, as thoughtful as it probably could have been. And I think, that, you know, when you're in your twenties, you can chase your gut and, you know, it's fine because you probably have more of a, an appetite for failure when you're in your thirties. It, it changed. It's changed for me. You know, I'm a lot less gut oriented. I'm a lot more, you know, um, intentional with my decision making around things. Um, but it was a, it was an easy decision because I'm like, all right, I'll just leave. And if this doesn't work out, just go to go back to school. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, quite, quite a bunch of discipline, like to do that because, um, I, I had a little bit of a similar thing. Like I, I wanted to start this, this like consulting agency, um, that's turned into a marketing agency. And when I did it, I was like, you know, I was working a corporate job and I just said, what's the best way to do it? And I said, if this is what I want to do, just start doing it. And what I just did was like, I just started doing it till I didn't really have time to work my job anymore. And I just, the energy of, it, I felt it. And I'm like, cool, let me cut the cord on that and just let yeah. this thing roll. Um, and, and, you know, uh, because, because I felt, I've felt like I can give a little bit of advice to people that are looking to start yeah. companies. Yeah. And, and I've always said is like, it's the discipline aspect. Like you need to trust that you will put the work in on the nights and on the weekends, even yeah. with owning a company. It's like, sometimes I feel like nine to five, Monday through Friday, I'm working in the company and then nights and weekends, I'm, I'm expanding the company. You've seen that meme floating around, right? entrepreneurs say, I'm going to leave my nine to five only to work 24 yeah. <laughs> seven. You know, like and it's true. Like I remember telling a friend of mine a couple of years ago, he was considering leaving this really great position at Google uh, to start his own thing. And he was asking me about it. I'm like, and, and I was saying, I was kind of lamenting this. I'm like, you know, you're working all the time. And even when you're not working, you're thinking about work all the time, which is true. And, and I don't say that proudly and I don't think it's good, but it's just hard not to do that. 
it requires discipline not to do yeah. that. And that's something that I've had to work on, you know, over time is, is, you know, instilling the discipline in myself to draw some boundaries, you know, to, to stop working at a reasonable hour in the evening. And once I'm done working, I'm done working. And, and my mind is, is not on work. But he was, he was saying, man, that must be so cool that you're always kind of preoccupied with this thing that you love and you care about. I'm like, it's, it's cool for the first year, you know, but then, then it starts to interfere with every element of your life. And I believe that a balanced founder and a balanced entrepreneur and a balanced leader is much better than an imbalanced one. Yeah. Um, preach it, man. I, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, I appreciate you kind of open up and saying that's been tough for you there. Cause I can tell you like the same thing for sure. Everybody can. I also write, I have employees that are on the West coast that right now I'm on the East coast. I have some employees in Europe. So if I want to start working at three, eight, four, a.m., right. like there's, there's people working. If I want to work at midnight, there's people working. Um, and, you know, I want to ask you what you've done to separate the two. Um, I can, I can tell you what I've been trying to do is build an environment mm. um, that like supports that. Um, meaning, uh, I, I actually don't get like email notifications or Slack notifications on my phone, yeah. um, which that was a life changer. I couldn't recommend that more for anyone else. Um, don't, I don't bring my phone on runs anymore to the gym. It just stays in the car in the house. You just, you have to get away from it. Um, and it's funny, you know, I was going back and forth. So I made this like uh, analogy to my girlfriend that like, so I'm a very active male and I'm pretty, you know, big and I eat a bunch of food, right? Like I can't stop eating food. Yeah. Uh, so I just told her like, Hey, like we can't buy unhealthy food. I'll just yeah. eat it. Right? Yeah. And she told yeah. me, hey, like, you know, that's, you know, we really need to like work on that. Like you need to be able to have self-control. I'm like, great. That's step two. But yeah. like step one is like, let's just set up an environment to succeed. Why, yeah, why not? I mean, it's 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 a it's a healthy shortcut. Like, why why even have it around you? That just simplifies the decision. And I would argue that it it actually requires discipline to not have it in the house. Yeah, know? just as much discipline as it requires if you have it in the house to not eat it. Yeah. But why even why even tempt yourself? Yeah. You know? Just bypass the whole thing. It's easier. That so that's how I feel about distracting myself. Like or like. That's how I feel about uh, not getting caught up with work. So yeah, I agree. Um, like, for example, last night, like I, I took my grandma out to dinner. I'm back east for a few weeks. So I'm trying to see family and friends. And I left my phone in the car. I was like, I, if it's buzzing in my pocket and, you know, we had an early dinner. Right? It, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was like, you know, 6.15. I'm like, I could still for sure be working for yeah. several hours. I'm not like, I'm not going to be there. It's like, what I'm just trying to do is in life kind of generally it's like whatever i'm doing i'm doing like you know do i hear my phone buzzing now are we both missing tons of emails yeah but it's like we said we're gonna do this like if i was gonna check emails i'd just be like see you dave like let's just cut this off i also think that it requires more discipline so 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 to answer your question yeah I've right. to really um really embrace an orientation of discipline in order to draw the lines that I feel need drawn in my personal and professional life. And it's, it's tough, but, 
But when I look at, you know, it, it used to be, well, if I work all the time, that makes me a better worker. Um, and that's going to be, that's going to make me a better leader. And that's going to make me a better CEO and founder. Um, I think that that's actually the easy way out. It's easy to work all the time. If you're a founder, it's easy to work all the time. If you're a CEO, that's the path of least resistance. Mm. And so when you, when you look at that from a framework of self-discipline, well, I try to do hard things often just to, you know, just to sharpen my discipline edge, whether it's physical, mental challenges, whatever. I fast two times a week because I think it's good discipline. I just did a 24 hour workout a month or two ago because it's good discipline. And so I try to do this stuff just to keep that muscle strong. Well, it's pretty damn good discipline to be able to set your phone down in your car when you're out to dinner with your grandmother and loved one. And, and it's, it's pretty damn good discipline if you're able to focus and be present, that's not easy. The easy thing to do would be to check your email. The easy thing to do would be to have your head, you know, on work where, while your body is in front of your grandmother. But I think the, mo the more disciplined thing, the more noble thing, hard people do hard shit thing is yeah. to be present. And when I look at it through that framework, I'm like, okay, okay, got it. I'm convinced this is what I need to do. Cause this is the hard path and the hard path is the right path. Dude. That's uh that I pre I, I appreciate you sharing that and you know I haven't really thought about it that way. It kind of the the way you're framing it almost sounds like you know you're playing offense in life. Like the easy things to play defense. Oh, when my phone buzzes, I react like a robot. You know, right. Right. I just I do work because it's in front of me. Versus critically thinking about what's going on right okay. now and what's the best. Totally That's awesome. Um. What perks my ears up is you talking about building the discipline muscle or yep. you know, I think like, as, as you kind of put it, um, I, I, I'm trying to write a book very slowly. <laughs> um, and one of the chapters, I don't know the name of it, but it's something about why we, why we try to, uh, like play the game of life without practicing it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's exactly what you're talking about. It's like people just think like, oh, I snap into being disciplined, even though anytime there's junk food in front of me, I eat it. Anytime my phone buzzes, I grab it. Like you just go off temptation. Yep. Like, you know, that like the, the chapter is actually a little bit more about managing stress, right? Like I try to put myself in high stress situations, mm -hmm. cold plunge, fasting, yep. Yep. You know, yep. hard workouts. And can you stay focused? So when shit hits the fan and you are stressed, that's right. You know, it's just another day at the office. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, is that, is, is that, that's kind of how you're approaching it? Oh, totally. I mean, I, th I think that you don't, you don't step up to the challenge. You fall back on your training. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I used to, uh, used to be fairly intensive into martial arts and that's something we said all the time. It's like, if you get in, into a fist fight, you're not going to magically perform, you know, so much better than you've ever performed in training. Yeah. Because you're in a fist fight. It's actually the opposite. <laughs> you, you know, you've got all this adrenaline pumping, you've got all these crazy thoughts going through your head. You're going to you're going to fall back to what you've practiced in training. And if you've been practicing poorly, you're going to end up getting your ass kicked. <laughs> but if but if you've been practicing well, 
you know, perfect practice makes perfect, not just practice makes perfect. If you've been practicing well, you'll be up for the challenge, you know? And, yeah. and I think that you've got to, I think, if you want to be successful in life in whatever endeavor, you have to constantly be practicing and you have to constantly be opting into these things that most people probably wouldn't be, you know, M most of the population doesn't opt into an ice bath <laughs> voluntarily, right? Most of the population isn't doing max effort push-ups every morning for 365 days. Most of the population doesn't, doesn't do these things, but you know, what makes successful people successful is that they do the things that unsuccessful people don't want to do, even though they don't want to do them either, you know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. I'm just thinking about the, the ice bath thing. I hit the gym this morning and uh, big sauna session after and um, took a cold shower thereafter. Their yeah. water was cold as shit, which I love. Yeah. And, and I didn't even know that. the. But do you love it, Sean? Do you love the cold water or do you love being out of the shower after it's been really cold? Right. <laughs> like I'm guessing that a hot shower feels better for you than a cold shower because you're a human being and I'm a human being and we both know that. But what, what separates you, I think, from everybody else is you love the notion of jumping into a cold shower because you love that it's hard to do and that requires some discipline and you yeah. love how you feel after that, just like you love a good workout. Even yeah. though the workout sucks in the <laughs> moment, you just did a hundred mile race, right? That hurt, but you're probably loving how you're feeling now because you got out of your belt. Dude, yeah, you, 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 you nailed it, right? Like, um, you almost have to play mind games with yourself to tell you that you love it. Yeah, and right. this, girl, this girl goes to the front desk because I didn't even know the hot water has been broken at the gym all week. And, <laughs> and she's like, you guys really have to fix this hot water. I took another cold shower. I'm like, I want to shake or be like, they're giving you a gift. Damn it. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> they're teaching you about the cold. Um, dude, it, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something that, that I'm trying to like play with in my mind. Um, and it's whether I do love the cold, the workout or not, um, from a sensory pleasure standpoint, hot steam shower for sure. Right. <laughs> um, but what I'm trying to play with is really two things. Um, one is when we look at, do we like something um, can we answer that question with a long-term approach? So what I mean by that is if I say, hey, you know, Dave, do you like kale or cheeseburgers better? Well, all day yeah. long, baby. but Cheese. I also like being healthy. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And I think like if we looked at it over five years mm -hmm. and, you know, you ate cheeseburgers every day or kale every day, you know, you might at the end of five years be like, you know, wow, like I actually enjoy the whole experience of eating right. kale more than the, the like taste of it. Right. Like right. I think we're almost like looking at like, you know, I, I, you know, just an idea I keep playing with in my head because I, when I was running the hundred miler, I had a little mantra and I just, I realized I was like, what, what's going to make you lose? It's up here. Right. Like physically it's going to suck. Totally. Things totally. So I was like, all right, what, what do I need to like, you know, what attitude do I need to be in? And I realized this really during some of my long training runs that, you know, if you're, if, if you're like looking for the end, 
man, it's going to be a long time for a hundred miles. Totally. And I just, I kept telling myself, I love running and I don't want this to end. I was on mile 99.5. I said, I don't want this to end, you know? Cause like, if you're thinking like, Oh, good. Like you're, you're celebrating that you're close to the end. That means you don't like what you're doing. Yep. Yep. And, you know, whether that's a mind game or not, that's what really kept me present quite yep. a bit. Like, I love it. I want this to last forever. And like, I want to just through it all. If you got your mindset down, mindset's so much more important than f- even physical in shape you know like there's yeah. there's guy do, do you uh you know joe de Senna? does that name mean anything yeah he's the founder of spartan race yep he started something called the death race before he started spartan race and joe and i have become good buddies over the last couple of years and and i had an opportunity to spend some time with him over the summer and there was there was a death race going on at his farm in vermont and this is billed as have you heard of this no Okay, look it up. Um, maybe I'll try and recruit you into doing it. But the death race is billed as the hardest physical challenge on the planet, basically. And they have to do all kinds of crazy shit. Um, when I was on the farm, they were rucking a 150-pound sack up and down uh, this mountain on the property over and over and over again in the middle of the Jesus. night. And, you know, there's no sleep over the course of three days. It's a three-day-long race. Um, and it's just like, I can't remember, but something like 5% of people finish it. It's yeah. so low. It's so low. And this attracts people like you, people who do hundred mile races, people who are ultra endurance athletes. That's the people who it attracts. So it's not like, it's not attracting a hundred people from off the streets to do this thing. And only five of them finish. It's attracting a hundred world-class athletes and only five of them finish. And, and so I asked them like, you know, if you, if you take somebody who's got just a phenomenal mindset and, uh, isn't, isn't that in shape and you put them in the race and you pit them against somebody who's just incredibly in shape, but doesn't have that great of a mindset, who's going to win. And he says the mindset guy, hands down. Really? Because both athletes are going to start feeling like shit around 12 hours. Their bodies are both going to break down. Even if the less in shape guy breaks down earlier, they're going to get to a point of physical breakdown. Yeah. So the playing field becomes even, and now it becomes a mindset match. Oh. Well, mindset's the only thing that can get you through that playing field, right? Damn. Yeah. Damn. yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, you 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 don't really think about it like that, but like you said, like you know, and maybe it's. Maybe if you're in shape, you break down at 18 hours, not 12, but like you're breaking down, break down. Right. (laughs) Exactly. It's going to happen. You know, and it's funny before the race, well, as far as the death race, we should connect on that. Have you done one? Mm -mm. No, I don't want to do one. I want you to do one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let me know how it goes. Right. (laughs) Um, I just, I just pinned it. I'm going to check it out later, but, um, it, it is funny, like even before the, before the race, like my, both my parents were part of my crew and I told him, I said, Hey, I know this is going to be hard for you, but I need you guys to have discipline too. Mm-hmm. I don't need anything but encouragement. Mm-hmm. They're like, they're like, of course. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't need like, like when I look pale and I'm shivering, I don't need, are you okay? I right. just need yeah, to keep yeah. going. Yeah, and great. they were like, 
you know, they said like, well, like we wouldn't ask anything unless we thought anything was wrong. I was like, no, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. Like, Don't. Yeah, because, exactly. And, my, and my dad then pushed back one more time. He goes, all right, what if I just ask like this? Like, if you say your foot's hurting, I say, is it pain or injury? I'm like, dude, that's the question I don't want. Like, because that's it's like, going to feel like injury. Your brain will right. play tricks totally. on you. Totally. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, you know, it, it was interesting. Like, uh, for me, for me, whether this is would have been true or not, I didn't have anything catastrophic, right? I mean, I was exhausted and yep. yawning and my legs hurt like shit, but I didn't have How anything. How long did it take you? 25 hours and 18 minutes. Just nonstop. No, yeah, nonstop. Yeah. Uh, I want to hear about your 24 hour workout. <laughs> it, was, it was 24, it wasn't 25. I'll tell you all about it. Yeah. And I just, I just, I kept telling myself, like, if I have to crawl this 100 miles, I'm crawling. Right. And again, is, I don't know if that would have turned out to be true, but that was definitely like, I think the attitude I went in, I think that helped because otherwise, like I think some of these little pains would have kind of turned into monsters. Yeah, you make them you make them bigger than they actually are. And, you know? and it's tricky, man. It's tricky. You feed them, you feed them attention. It's yeah. they're just gonna get louder. You know, yeah. they scream at you even more. No, never give your pain. So I never give your pain a voice. I saw Jesse Itzler uh, talk, and and he had someone guide him through a hundred mile, and he said three things. He said the first thing is you're never gonna die in the chair. And what that means is we have these aid stations. You're not going to conveniently quit at an aid station. Mm-hmm. If you literally give it all you have and you die on the course, so right. do it. But you're not going to just conveniently want to quit right. while you're at an aid station. Right. That was the first thing he said. The next thing he said was um, never give your pain a voice. And no matter what hurts, whatever, every time someone asks how you're doing, you ask yourself how you're doing, it's outstanding. Yep. And that just the, mm-hmm. the bottom line mm-hmm. um and then the last thing is um he was talking he was talking about being great grateful and every mile for 100 miles say something different 100 times that you're grateful for mm-hmm. and you know i tried to kind, kind of follow that and i that was going through my head quite a bit and it is crazy like you know um you know you, you just kind of play around with it like i came into an aid station at mile 80 and i was like I was I I was like guys I gotta tell you something crazy to like the aid station people were like what I was like I just don't get tired and they started like great yeah I, you know I was exhausted I probably was like flush in the face but I'm like I gotta tell someone that I don't get tired <laughs> like this guy's totally lost it yeah right like medics <laughs> exactly um, what was your hundred or twenty four hour workout yeah so it was it was something I did um, at the start of October and I'll give you a backstory on that so. I have a, a close friend, his name's Brian Chantosh, and he goes by Tosh. And Tosh has been, T- Tosh is a literal war hero. He's got his own Wikipedia page. This motherfucker is one of the most noble and accomplished people I've ever met in my life. Um, and he has a business that is dedicated to strengthening people's mindset. So he's a mindset coach. Mm-hmm. And he also has a nonprofit called the Big Fish Foundation that is dedicated to helping veterans transition back to civilian life and ultimately combating um, uh, suicide, veteran suicide. Um, and Tosh and I have become buddies over the years. And um, I don't know, maybe two years ago, Tosh asked me to join the board of the Big Fish Foundation. And last year, I think it was last year, maybe this year, um, he asked me to become the executive director of the Big Fish Foundation. 
And, and of course, in both instances, you know, I gave him the hell yeah. One, because it's Tosh and two, because it's cause near and dear to my heart. Part of what we do at the Big Fish Foundation is take, you know, the mindset coaching that Tosh has done and apply it to veterans in veteran based events. So our biggest fundraiser of the year um, takes place in, in June. Um, and we invite a veteran from each branch of the military to team up with a professional athlete. So think, you know, CrossFit Games athletes, people like that, and do a 24 hour workout. Um, and so, you know, earlier this year, when I, when I stepped into the executive director position, I'm like, shit. I'm going to have to do one of these. I'm going to have to do one of these workouts because I feel like I need to, because I need to know, you know, what this looks like, because this is what we do for veterans a lot of the time. And I need to know, I, I need to know and experience that myself. Yeah. Um, so I signed up for one. They're called, they're called diesel days. And um, it is, it is what it sounds like. It's a, it's a nonstop 24 hour workout. And um you know, starts our started Saturday at, at 10 a.m. And, and it ended at Sunday, 10 a.m. And on Friday, uh, Tosh takes everybody through, you know, the, the mindset training um, that he's honed over the last 20, 30 years of doing stuff like this. And oh, by the way, Tosh is also an incredible endurance athlete. So as as we speak, he is on day three of a 30 to 40 day row, nonstop row across the Atlantic ocean. So this guy does stuff, this crazy stuff, like you and I are talking about all the time. Well, and we're not talking out. about 40 days across. It. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He makes us look like sissies. Um, so he's, he's, he's really dialed on this mindset wow. stuff. And so Tosh takes everybody through his, his mindset training on Friday night, and then basically gives you 24 hours to practice that and to apply that. And um, I, I won't go into the specifics of these diesel days because, you know, there's an element of surprise to it. And there's an element of, you know, we don't want you training because we want you to encounter challenges that that you get to practice this mindset stuff to get through. Um, but I will say it's fucking hard. <laughs> like it's it yeah, was really, really challenging. Um, you know, there's a lot of body weight stuff. There's a lot of machines. There's a lot of 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 you know of running and trail running it's tough it's it's oh miserable uh, but you do it and you get through it and your body breaks down and you know i was i mean it took me probably three weeks to recover fully from my own diesel day experience but it was one of the best things i've ever done um and and it was really gratifying um you know, I made some great friends in the process. I won. I came in first, which was really exciting. Dude. And the bet that I had with Tosh was that if I did that, he would have to buy everybody a year subscription to O2. Um, so I managed to get everybody who I did the race with or did the workout with a year subscription to O2. And and it's something that a couple couple team members of mine from O2 are going to do this this coming year because it's just such a great way to practice these elements of discipline in an environment yeah. that after the event is over, it stays with you. You know, I use these, these tools all the time after diesel day. And that's, that's pretty common with people. Yeah. It's not a 24 hour thing. It's a life changing experience. Dude, 
um, I, it sounds like you took some time to reflect on that, and that's quite you know awesome. And actually, Shane sent me that when I went to the website. I remember Shane sent me. He's like, he's like, Dave did this. That's awesome. He thought he thought I'd be into it, and I totally was. That's um, great. Yeah, that's that's like what it's all about. And it's cool that you're getting your team into it, but it's all about doing it, reflecting it, and figure out what transferable skills you can build from it. That is what it's all about. That, and that's why I'm having some of my team members do it. You know, it's not that I want to put them through 24 hours of hell. I it's it's I want I want to do that for them because it's going to serve them and it's going to serve me because it's going to make them better people and make them better at their jobs. And it's going to that's just a beautiful thing. It's a win for everybody. It's funny. I have a I have my first my first team meeting, you know, growing my companies and I have a couple full time employees. So we're doing a little team meeting, driving up to New York to meet them tomorrow. and. I'm trying to figure out, I want to do something that's like, yeah, man, a little, a little fucked up, you know, like go yeah. to a place, you know, d- d- do some ice plunges and breath work or you yeah. know, put them through a killer workout. Yeah. Uh, you know, just I, I, something, something where you can, you know, where you can conquer some adversity together. Like I really, I really, I haven't done this yet, but I'm going to with my team. I want us all to do a Spartan race together. You know, a Spartan race is something that, that most people, if they're reasonably fit, they can do, you know, they're, you know, they're, I'm not looking for any records to be shattered, but I want people to get through it because it's hard and we'll do it together, you know? Um, and I think that, that fostering that kind of environment of forced adversity just transfers really well to the business environment, because guess what? Business is hard. You know, if you're doing your own thing, whether it's, you know, a consulting practice like yours or a beverage business like mine, we're going to encounter a lot of adversity and not just us as founders, you know, our team is going to encounter yeah. a lot of adversity. So I want them to sharpen those skills so that they're better on the job. Dude, it's, uh, I mean, that Bravo, like that's like, a, like I, it's music to my ears to hear that, like, you know, you're doing that. It's inspiring to me to like, it, you're just getting my head thinking, especially because I have this tomorrow. I'm like, you know, I, I looked out a couple of places for like ice plunges and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, just do something um, because, dude, it's that I don't know. That's what it's all about. Actually, ever since the 100 miler, uh, I've been lifting pretty hard and just mm-hmm. not. I mean, I don't think I've taken 10,000 steps in the 10 days since my But I keep telling myself, so we're doing this all for the mental, right? Physical yep. benefits um, are great. They're right. definitely secondary. Nice side benefit. Yeah, side benefit. And it's interesting how that actually makes my training so much better, Dave. So Mm -hmm. I'm sitting there and I I was doing a set of like dumbbell bent over rows. And I kind of like went like pretty hard, but like not that hard, you know. Mm -hmm. And I realized I was like, if I was doing it for the mental benefit, I was zoned out during that set and I didn't push myself. So, you know. I'm lying to myself. I'm here for the physical. So like if I'm here for the mental benefit, I would go till I hit a real wall and right. push past it once and then really push past it that second right. time. Right. And I've just been telling myself that like, you know, even like next time, I don't know if you hit your CrossFit workout today or do it tomorrow. Oh. Next time you hit it, like play with that thought. I'd love to hear what you think. Like, oh, I mean, that's, that's, that's something I think about all the time, you oh, know, is, is there's a lot of benefits to CrossFit. 
it's nice. You know, I feel in shape. I, I feel like I look halfway decent when I take my shirt off, like all that's nice stuff, but that's not why I do it. You know, the reason that I do it is because I want to regularly put myself in an environment where I'm experiencing physical and mental pain. And I have to push past that because that's what I'm going to have to do in my job to be effective, you know? And yes, yesterday was a great example. Yesterday, it's been a long week, man. It's been a long month. It's been a long year, blah, blah, blah. Yesterday, I go to the gym. I don't really feel like being there. It was a long day. And the, the thing that I suck most at in CrossFit is, is basically like, you know, it, it, uh, longer bike or rowing type stuff. Like I can row a mean 500, but that's it. That's all I got in me. Like I, yeah. I can't do that over and over and over again. And I suck when it gets to a thousand or 5,000. Um, the workout yesterday was, was basically 10 sets of a minute sprint on the bike Oof. with two minutes of rest. That's the last fucking thing I wanted to do. You know, like things, things in CrossFit to me that are more appealing are, you know, we get to throw around a barbell or do some gymnastics movements or whatever, but 10 sets of an assault bike sprint with two minutes of rest in between. No, thanks, man. So yeah. I'm like, man, it would be so easy to phone this in right now. It's been a long day, been a long month, been a long, <laughs> you know, I was getting together with a buddy of mine after to go rock climbing. Oh, I should save some in the tank to go rock climbing. But you learn over time to recognize when you're bullshitting yourself, <laughs> you know, like you learn over time to when you when you hear that tiny voice in your head that's telling you maybe you should just go like 80 percent. You know, it's all right. No big deal. You're like, OK, I'm going to call bullshit on you and I'm going to do the opposite of what you just said. You know? And so yeah. I did. And it was it was purely because I didn't want to do it that I did it. You know, and I always know that I got a good workout in CrossFit when I start sneezing after and I give myself <laughs> a head cold. And so I've been sneezing the past 16 hours or so since I left the gym. I'm like, good. Yeah, that means a job. Well done. <laughs> I, I, I love that, man. Dude. So you do you think your your intuition does grow? Like you, and you mentioned that, like you yeah. are able to start to call bullshit on yourself. Yeah, the muscle gets stronger the more you work it out. So really interesting to me because I I agree with that. I haven't really put it into words, but like just hearing it for the first time from you, I agree with that. Um, COVID hit. You know, my basketball gyms got shut down. I started running a little bit and my friend calls me and goes, Hey, in like 19 days, I'm doing a hundred miler. I need a pacer. Will you run the last 50 with me? Wow. I was like, I was like, yeah, of course. Like, dude, I knew nothing about <laughs> two years ago. I said, I'm in excellent shape. I can run over any mountain as far as you want. Yeah. Um, 28 miles in, it's like 10 degrees in Utah in the mountain. Oh, and, uh, my foot, the same, my foot that I was telling you about from this race, yep. just flaring up. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, I mean, it started flaring up at like mile 12, right? Cause I didn't run that much. 15, mm -hmm. just it's aching by like mile 22. I'm kind of, he, he wanted to be in front. I'm like behind him, like hopping on one leg oh, man. and we get to mile 30. I conveniently, that's where our cars were. Um, mm -hmm. it was a little figure eight loop. And I, and I told him, I said, dude, uh, I'm out and he and there's a good buddy of mine that doesn't show weakness I he's like I need you man because he was yeah. he was doing yeah. That. yeah I'm sure like, dude no 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 
I'm out. Like I broke my foot. Like something like it's, mm-hmm. it's straight to the ER, X-ray, MRI, nothing, nothing. nothing. Yep. And yep. now was the pain fake? No, I believe there's definitely some inflammation. My foot hurt, whatever. But it's funny because um, I do think, I do think I have a much, like it's the same foot pain that I dealt with this hundred that I was telling you. But for some reason, my gut feel then was injury, you must stop. Now it was like pain, keep going. Yeah, right. Um, and, you know, I guess I guess that was the first time I really thought about that. But um, that is cool that like your intuition grows and that you're able to spot it, you know, like before yeah. you do it. Because, dude, it's so obvious. Like you think about it, cool, we're going to go put out hard rock climbing. Like I shouldn't go too hard, but I'm still getting a nice workout. Like that sounds great. Right, right. <laughs> sounds totally reasonable. Right? Perfect. Yeah. It's just a fucking excuse. It's it, just it, an excuse. It, it always is. It is something that you just got to put yourself in that position. Dude, last night, I've been trying to do 30 minutes in the sauna because um, mm-hmm. I'm not doing any cardio. Yep. And last night, I took my grandma to dinner and I was coming back and, dude, I was I could have went to bed at 7 yesterday. I was <laughs> working hard. And I drove, as I'm driving past my gym, I'm like, dude, going to the sauna for 30 minutes. Like, I kept telling myself, like, I don't want to eat away at my sleep. Yeah, like, that is like I yeah. did the math. There was an eight-hour window there. Totally, totally. <laughs> it's just it's funny, man. Um, Dave, I I'm, I know you got to wrap up here soon. Um, I I can't say how much I appreciate you taking the time to. Hey, likewise, this was fun. Yeah. It it, def, it definitely it definitely is was fun. Um, and uh, I don't know. I'm I'm jacked up from this conversation. I hope this gives you energy for the rest of the day. We absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And if you want any more information on either the death race or diesel day, you know where to find me. Oh, I'm good. No, I'm good. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I actually, I, I pulled them both up. I am going to check them out. Awesome. Um, and yeah, I just, I really, I really also, I want to appreciate, I want to just thank you all the hard work that you we've been talking about, the discipline you've been doing pays off because uh, you know, it, it allows you to share it with people in situations like this. And you know, I don't think people always think about it in that light. And, you know, I appreciate it. Right. It's like, it's like, we just got like, um, you know, a couple chapters of a book that you would have read. That's right. That's right. Once you put it together, man, you send me the manuscript. I want to read it. Oh, for sure. Um, well, Dave, thank you very much, man. And, uh, look forward to the next time we speak. All right, brother. Likewise. Talk to you soon. Hey, thank you for watching today's episode. If you got something out of this, it would mean so much if you could just take a second and give us a rating on whatever platform you're watching on. And it would mean so much to the world if you could just find one person that you think this message resonates with and you could share that with them. Thank you so much for your support. Looking forward to share the next episode with you.